Liam, how's Fred? He's good actually. I think he's a bit disappointed we haven't been for a walk. I took him out for his ablutions and I went for a run, <laughs> which means he misses out on all the fun, but I will be taking him out after the pod. Oh, nice. Have you been for a run today? I have, yeah. How far did you run? Only four miles. Okay, that, that's a lot, that. That's oh, more than no, I was quite. Uh, my, my root canal, which I don't like to talk about, um, I've recovered now, so I, I did miss running for two weeks, but I've done two and two, but the time's down, the time's way down, but get it, get the miles in, in the bank and then they'll get, they'll be a bit quicker. That's it. I mean, look, I, I, for me, it's not really about being fast or being slow, it's just about doing something every day. Um, so, so that's good. Uh, Debs Wild, how's your week been? I've been very busy, I'm quite productive. Uh, Coldplay've got a single coming out a week today, so that's been cranking up my my uh, workload a bit. So yeah, it's been it's been a good one. I've been very busy, and you won't believe it when I say because I know we don't like it, Leon. I haven't watched any TV because I've been too busy. Wow. wow. Yeah. What about Zoom parties? <laughs> I did no a, Zoom parties for me. I did two Zoom quizzes since I last spoke to you. That's it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's it. Oh, wow. Look yeah, it's been, yeah, I mean, I did try and watch Bent Coppers last night, but um, I, I, I didn't quite get into it as much as I'd hoped. Yeah, it's a great show. It's just not easy to get into, yeah. I think. Yeah. Bent Coppers, what is it? It's, um, well, I guess they're going to say that they are the original line of duty because it's going back to the 70s with footage and interviews with people about how, well, how the you know, oh, right, corrupt, okay. corrupt coppers existed back then. Amazing so. archive footage, though. Like, yeah, yeah, incredible. We've got in touch with someone who works on that because we're using a lot of archives. So. I think you mentioned it, in fact. That's why I thought, oh, I should Excellent. watch something that I could talk about. <laughs> Excellent. It's probably more interesting as a podcast, but mm, yeah. I'll definitely check it out. I, I, you guys recommended the detectives thing, and I really liked that. So, oh, uh, I know I'll we haven't even got onto what have you been watching, but my mum <laughs> said I had to tell you too. She's got recommendations. She's completely glued to Court TV, which is an actual channel that just shows mm-hmm. live court and stuff. But she said there's a thing on Netflix called the staircase murders so she's oh, seen it. Yeah. oh there you go we've all seen that uh, we've all seen <laughs> she watched it ages ago but she keeps telling me to tell yeah, you and no, so no. there you go i mean that's like saying have you seen making a murder i know a fact <laughs> to your mum you know. <laughs> 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 that's going back to 24 Deb. <laughs> have you seen dallas all right all right you two mickey takers yeah yeah okay um so can I talk about my week? Yeah. It's been an eventful week, hasn't it, yours? Oh, yeah. Well, I wasn't going to talk about being hit by a white van, but I got hit by a white van whilst I was out running on Tuesday. That was fun. Um, definitely woke me up. Uh, but thankfully, I'm fine. No broken bones, just some scrapes, bangs, bruises, bruised ego. Funnily enough, uh, I went for a run this morning and uh, saw the lads who hit me with their white van again because they were pulling out of the... Uh, out of the driveway of the house that they do the gardening in and they waved at me and I waved at them and <laughs> felt like a happy ending to what would have been Surely they must be more injured than you now, surely. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, no, so my week has been, and I, I began the conversation off air with Debs before Leon arrived and I'm going to try and talk about it in full right now. So we're going to talk about Line of Duty in a minute. Uh, because we've all been watching it. I presume most of the audience have watched it. Will we do spoilers? We probably will. So this is also your spoiler warning for Line of Duty. Uh, but, so, me and Claire binged Line of the first five episodes of the new season last Sunday. Um, I loved it. Like, really loved it. It felt like um, maybe the best season that I've seen since the early ones. Um, wow. And then I woke up on Monday morning and I'm in the middle of writing episode four of uh, uh, of Michelle on the Ropes. And I started writing that, or I continued writing it, and I realized that it was pretty good. So I got about... 40 pages in and I sent it to I collaborate with a friend of mine on story or 
uh, yeah, on story. And I, I sent it to him and uh, he read it and he was like, oh my gosh, we are going to have to go back and write one, two and three again. Um, and I realized that Line of Duty basically inspired me, like made me be braver in my, uh, in my writing. And I thought that was really cool. And, and it's never happened to me before that a series has made me change the way I'm writing something that I'm writing in that moment. And that's literally what's just happened this week with Line of Duty. So as I was saying to Debs, I'm in a weird mood because I'm getting to the end of Ep 4 now. Uh, but I realise that I have to go backwards rather than forwards. And that's a weird feeling right now. I mean, it's exciting because I think that like I could improve on, on what I did previously. Um, but somehow it also feels frustrating that I will, I'll have to go backwards. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's how line of duty, the new season made me feel. Would anybody like to object wildly to, to what I just said, Debs? <laughs> Right, so Leon is yeah, he's at now he's he's asking me that because I sort of said I was surprised to hear him say that because I found this series very uh, disappointing compared to the the other ones. I um haven't enjoyed it as much, and I haven't thought the story's been as strong, and it kind of ramped up a gear, I'd say, quite late on instead of like you know from the get go. So I just thought it was quite interesting that. Asan had found it so amazing and inspiring because I certainly haven't. <laughs> yeah, it's become a guilty pleasure for me, which is never a good sign. Mm. Yeah, it's like you can't miss it, but... Oh, it's a lot of old bollocks. Kind of. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go as far as that, but yeah, I just think it's something that I got into. Actually, I went back and watched the early ones last year during the lockdown, so they're kind of fresh in my mind and I just don't think this is close to that. But yeah, I feel I have to watch it because I'm, in, you know. When you say that it's not as good as the previous ones, mm. in, what is it that that lacks for you? Well, I I understand, like Leon brought up uh, Broadchurch when in comparison, it's like this line of duty is very formulaic and I get that and it has, you know, it has its, um, its uniqueness. But when you do get this far in, you're like, it's mm, a bit boring because it just feels like it's watching the same old, same old. And sometimes it can be not confusing, but I just don't think it's been very clear at times. I think it's confused people more than it needed to. Um, and I've just not found, yeah, this story, I haven't found it compelling. And I almost get to the point where I don't really care. And that's not where you should be on this show. Because usually, you know, when it gets to the end, you can hear that music build up and you're like, oh, my God. And I haven't felt that. Well, only once I think I felt that in six episodes, seven episodes. Whatever. I feel like Fred on a leash here. Can I please go? Can I go? Can I go? Can I go? Yeah, yeah, go. Right. So to me, it's become like 24. It's like they're isolated in their own little world. I know they filmed that during COVID, I think. Yeah, they mm. did. But it does, it's been doing the last few seasons anyway. It just feels like they're in this own little isolated world. And they just bring new... Like they brought a Stephen Lawrence-type storyline to suddenly... There you go. I think it was episode five or is it six? But they suddenly decide to bring in the, 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 the story akin to Stephen Lawrence. It's like, where's that come from? Mm. And I, I told you before, I tuned out once Tandy... Tandaway, sorry, Tandaway Newton cut her arm off and was back at work within the hour. <laughs> and, you know, this time I saw um, my Constance character, you know, he's been moaning for episodes about his bad back. He's in, a, he's in a van crash and nearly, like, shot at. And he's back in his three-piece suit within ten minutes. <laughs> he's not, we haven't mentioned, we've not seen him popping any pills for a few weeks. I know, it's like, where, where's that gone? <laughs> so, I mean... Listen, it is, it is good TV. It's a bit like if Curb Your Enthusiasm was to be like loved by everyone, it'd put me off. We've talked about it before. When I was growing up, people started getting into rap music and I thought I was special. <laughs> and it's the same kind of thing. It becomes a thing and it's nice to have that touch point we've talked about before. But in terms of... And Jen Mercuro, very successful writer, creator, fair play to him. 
But it's so formulaic. I mean, I'd like to see... It's a bit like Shane Meadows in slow-mo. Shane Meadows is a... I love him. I love This Is England. But in the end, it's just a massive wank-off of, like, slow-mos. <laughs> and now we've got the stares and head shakes. I mean, how many times has Kelly MacDonald's character stared at either Vicky McClure's character or the, the dodgy kid? I mean, it's just literally half the episode, it stares and head shakes. And, and your man in charge has become this, like, serious caricature. That's why there's so many gifts about him now. So, yeah, I mean, it's nice to all watch it and talk about it, but it's, it's not far away from the melodrama that, that Hugh Grant, um, the Hugh Grant show we all watched. The undoing, it's, yeah. It's kind of undoing now, and like at the end running over the bridge. And yeah, I, I will watch it and I will enjoy it, but I mean, compared to how it was originally when it was really edgy, you know, the Lenny James. Mm series and and the Keeley Hawks I mean Kelly MacDonald again well-known decent actress but has she acted in this at all I mean she just looks at people <laughs> I'm really enjoying this <laughs> I mean honestly yeah I mean yeah so it has become like watching Gogglebox it's a guilty pleasure and once everyone in the world is all over it, then it becomes a thing. But it's a thing they should uh, should move on. But, you know, who am I to say? It's a successful show and it's doing amazingly. So why the hell wouldn't they keep carrying on? Mm. But um, it's not something I look forward to now. I just want to get through it. I think you've both been a bit harsh there. I have to be honest with you. Um... You've binged it, though. We've had to wait each week and it's not really... You know when you get that feeling of oh I can't wait for next week I really haven't had that I, I've told you this before I'm enjoying playing Line of Duty bingo along with it more than I'm enjoying the actual mm. show and that's not good do you get a full house for stairs you know but there is there, there are honestly I, I have to send it you off uh, on the whatsapp group because you can you can play along so how do you explain episode. guys 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 um, let's let's not let's not um disappear um so how do you explain its popularity and success then debs uh because that's quite scathing what you both said uh and i see it more like i guess that i've because obviously it comes with a lot of hype and we've had this conversation before about how sometimes shows projects when they get hyped really early on you find yourself struggling to enjoy it because it's never going to live up to the hype. Um, but most of those things are pretty good in the end, like conversations that we've had around stuff that's, you know, had a lot of hype. In the end, it's good. We can have personal takes on, you know, whether it's for us or not, but the execution generally, we we respect. Um, but you guys seem to be saying that even in the execution Line of Duty really fails this season. So why do you think it's popular? Is it just the people, the characters? I've got a reason, but it's pretty scathing as well. But <laughs> maybe. Well, maybe. well, it depends how big our audience is before I say why. How's about we let Debs go first and you take that moment to consider whether you want to say it out loud. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I think people are invested in it as a whole. So they've probably been there from the beginning. I think mm -hmm. it's a bit of an institution in that sense. Also, maybe people were craving something new and it felt quite exciting that it was back. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think people like the, you know, the characters. And obviously, there is a little bit of the, uh, whenever definitely is spelt wrong and who's the other H. And, you know, there is a bit of, still a bit of mystery around it. Um, but I guess you'd have to go and ask the people that really love it to see why. But um, I do think it's habit and, um, you know, that almost sticking with something because you're a fan of something. Um, but I just... Like watching EastEnders. That... Is that well, yeah, mean, kind of that? maybe. I think, yeah. you know, people keep coming back even though it might drive them a bit mad. But I just feel this is something, you know, that, that maybe we just all needed at the end of, you know, all the lockdowns. I don't know. But I, I was saying to Asan as well, among my little group of family and friends who watch it, 
they seem to be saying the same. You know, they haven't stopped watching it. Actually, there's a few people I, I like. There's a couple of my friends. One is a writer um, and she stopped watching after episode two. And I saw on her thread a few people underneath saying, yeah, me too. It's just not gripping them. So, yeah. Hmm. That's Why enough. does it feel? I don't need to Go say on. anything now. There's enough what Dev has said. I, I I agree with. I won't. I won't be too scathing. Okay. Okay. Um, because I, I'll tell you why I. And this is a, a a feeling rather than like a real analysis because I've not gone back and and watched the other seasons again. But somehow this season has felt easier to navigate. It's felt like there's less subterfuge and it's felt like there's less um the story the story has felt more linear and easier to follow um than it has done in previous seasons and personally i think that the kelly mcdonald vicky mcclaw axis is amazing i think that uh both performances are really 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 good and you'd watch those two in any scene that that they're in so i think that's kind of that's why i like it and i think the the other thing and maybe that's where maybe that's where the in, the, the the part of it that I, I found inspiring is that you know it's all it's all plot line of duty if you actually if you actually break the episodes down there's almost no character because you're six seasons in Everybody knows who the characters are. You almost don't need to know what their feelings are because you know them, so you know what their feelings will be to whatever the particular situation Can I jump in is. there, though? Because Kenny MacDonald... Yeah, you used... To, that, you, it's always been plot-heavy. It's a procedural, repeatable crime, uh, detective drama. But you used to know more about the sort of lead, leading protagonist... What do we know about her? Mm. That she sits at home on her own. No, you get you. You've confessed. You've got half of the last episode to watch. It all comes out. Right. So then it will but, make more sense. Yeah, but, but to yeah, be but, fair, yeah, it's, it's a big stretch. It's a big ask if you ask me, Leon. When you do. But see also, it. six episodes in, we know nothing about her really. Mm. And when and you do find appeared. it out, it's uh, yeah, I got annoyed right. by it. Okay. Well, fair enough. But yeah. I just think I'm with you, Asam. But I think there is room to understand the characters and, and then realise why they make decisions and what makes them tick. Until sure, this big reveal, we don't know anything absolutely. about I, I think for me, I think Debs is right in that when they explain it, it's like, and they kind of, they, they've done it already, they've planted enough seeds that you kind of know mm. why she's, why they've drawn her not as, well, not, I don't think they've drawn her as two-dimensional, but they've certainly... They, they, they've, they've had, you know, they've had a couple of doors closed. There's a couple of kind of character backstory things that they've just not let you into. Um, but it kind of fits with who she is in the show. Debs, that idea that it's a stretch. Mm. I mean, it's a stretch is basically every yeah. show yeah, that yeah. I watch these days. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm. I've let go of the idea of having a critique on believability because ultimately we we I think we're long past that and actually I I've I've gone full circle in that when I started writing 10 11 12 years ago um I was talking to another writer about research and they said what are you talking about and I was like yeah I need to find out what's real and what's not and, and that person just said to me, don't ever do that. Like the beautiful thing about writing is that there are no rules. Whatever you want it to be is what it will be. Don't think about anything else. Um, and over the years, I've become quite bothered by believability, like trying to be credible in what I'm writing. Um, and quite frankly, that's a nonsense. When I watch what is successful when i watch what i like when i watch what is cool what makes other people move it's not believable it's, you know i'm not but no but the thing is no one once you got that pilot and some success and then follow it up you're in that's no, it no one really cares mm. 
Look at the bodyguard. Same kind of thing. Same writer. And once you're in, no one cares. Mm. Yeah. Because they're bought in. And the BBC are ticking boxes. And um, and it's not sour grapes. Fair play to him. I've met him play golf with him. He's a nice guy. But... Who? To me, it's lazy. It's la- a lot of lazy writing, a lot of procedural. Who? Did you just mind your toes? And I didn't even, I didn't even notice who you mind your toes to. Well, no, he did the same golf club as me. Jed. Love this. Um, You've kept that quiet. You've no, no, kept I that quiet. I don't, I, don't, I don't like to drop names. You come on, you know. I haven't mentioned my week yet. Again, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to. You've do been it. playing golf, haven't you? No, I haven't actually. I've been working this week, but I just there's a lot of name dropping to be had. But I say I, I, I quit that. <laughs> I quit that for Lent, and I've kept it going. Um, but yeah, I mean the frustration is is that when when we write scripts, they get absolutely torn apart, and every single idea, character, plot is questioned, mm. and then you think about that. And again, I go back to the when Tandyway Newton cut her arm off and was back at work within the hour. If, if, we, if we wrote that, people would be like, what? Mm. But, you know, it's a successful show. He's nailed it, nailed the early season. So whatever gives everyone an amazing cliffhanger and, and keeps turning and twisting, they'll do whatever they have to do. Uh, do, you think that, do you think that audiences are more interested in being twisted and turned these days? Like, do you think that actually uh, that type of writing is a reflection of an audience? Most definitely. And a British audience as well, British screenwriting. Because in America, if you watch Better Call Saul, that is slow as hell. Mm. And because we love the way Breaking Bad was written and it's a real slow burner, then we buy into Better Call Saul and we buy into the way it's shot, the, 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 the way it's so character-driven... And we just, we're obsessed. But you could never have a better call Saul in, uh, in England. Hmm. Not, with, not, not what being you, commissioned. And I know what you mean. I would say one thing, though. Um, I'm quite sort of... I've found that the shit they tell you depends on what they want to do with the thing in front of them. Because ultimately... Now that I'm in a now that I know what it's like when somebody wants to make a show that you've written, I understand better that when somebody doesn't want to make a show, they won't say, "I just don't want to make this. It's not for me." They feel they have to tell you something, and that's when you begin to get notes that begin to critique things that, like you say, won't be critiqued when you want to make the show. So, you know, in a way, I, I can go, only go back to when I wrote the pilot for Michelle on the Ropes, where when I finished that pilot, it's not a lie to say that I sent it to the producer and then had an awful panic attack to the point where I thought I was going to cry and was just had knots in my stomach because I was like, that's shite and nobody's going to believe it. And you've just sent that to a producer who's... Like, that's you've just done a really dumb thing. You should have sat on it for a week. And because he loved it and it jibed with him, and then he sent it to a director and he loved it and it jibed with him, it nobody's spoken about it since. And it's for me, I know for a fact that in other places, in other hands, I would get notes out the wazoo about why it's unbelievable, about you know. Like just the, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I'm beginning to navigate notes differently now in the sense that I, I'm, I'm, gonna tr- I, I'm going to try and be braver in everything that I do and try and filter a note from somebody who genuinely wants to make a project from a note from somebody who's just killing time. Does that make sense, Leon? Yeah, yeah, no, it does. But, but it's... It's all, the only way I could describe it is that I was a massive fan of French cinema when I was when when it was easier to what you you but you go to the store you buy DVDs you check out European cinema and South American cinema and I was obsessed and then when it came to Hundred Streets I wanted this kind of slow burner but 
I was told so many times we can't do that and basically mm. we have to speed it up and we have to do this and do that so in the end for a, a British independent film that, that serves as you know, a thriller aspect in it that we couldn't have the moments of breath really and, and the pauses and the, and characters sort of considering their options in a kind Understand. of yeah, in a kind of, uh, not a mellow way, but considering it. And, and you know, the, the way that European and South American cinema does. But weirdly enough, um, we, we've followed on from the Americans. But yet in TV terms, the Americans are far more slow burners. Whereas, And that's why the Brits love procedural, repeatable drama. Mm. And obviously it used to be the soaps and the bill and all that. And now... That's pretty much gone uh, because of Netflix and people's wants and needs for TV is so much more now. But it's why shows like Line of Duty survive because it ticks every box. Mm. Do you think that? Do you think that um, the fact that you have cable in the states makes a difference? That if you look at network television, it probably follows a relatively similar pattern to Britain. But yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's pr- it's it's more the kind of the cable outlets that have allowed American television to really develop and grow and and do interesting slower things as well as you know yeah the HBO things. model and everything else and Showtime yeah no I exactly. totally understand exactly um Debs yeah what have you watched read listened to this week um well the only thing. That I've listened to, which was a treat, I have to say, was my Spotify new music release radar thing, where it makes a playlist based, I guess, on its algorithms. It's decided what I like, and it was brilliant. It was, I think I deleted two songs off the playlist, but it was so good. It had, like, um, John Grant was on there, Field Music, who I used to manage back in the day, and just really great. And so that was that was on an unexpected thing i've listened to a podcast but as i say to be honest this week i haven't other than uh bent coppers last night i i haven't watched anything other than reruns of things like would i lie to you or room 101 just background kind of giggles because i've Mm. just been really busy and had to do stuff that involved like focus rather than you know but I did, actually, that's a bit of a lie. I did switch on last night at about half nine to watch a film. But going back to what we've said before, it was two hours, five minutes. And I was like, ooh, I haven't got time to fit that in before bed. What so, was the film? Um, it was uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Ah. And can I just say, even though this is not a what have you watched, but Nomadland is on Star from today. So I'm going to watch that tonight. Very oh, excited. Yeah. You just about, you just stole my thunder. Though. Oh, I'm so sorry, Leon. <laughs> Have you watched no, Nomadland? I'm only halfway through, and I'm. I'm you like it. you like watching things halfway through, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I hate. The, I hate that. Oh, I'm so busy. By the time I get to the evening and to sit down, and obviously there's been a lot of football on, I just can't. I just fall asleep. But Nomadland looks great, and I'm really enjoying it. It's very depressing, mm. but I don't think. France that Mormon sort of does non-depressing films generally uh, with a bit of humour not so much humour in it this mm, time mm. but um, I know I'll love it so I want to finish that and then I want to finish Line of Duty but I have been uh, much like you Debs I haven't had much of a chance I have been watching if I wake up in the night The Office again because uh, if you follow David Sorry, Ray Sand, no offence. Oh. If you follow David Brent quotes on on when when matches are on, it's so funny. It reminds me of The Office. So I've gone back to series two of The Office, the original, and you know to, just to fall asleep to, but sort of comfort watching because uh, I do. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've sort of had a little bit of a new phase of watching it again. Um, and in terms of music. Um, I went to a party at the weekend and I found some... I got into Drake, basically, which Ooh. I always avoided being a big Kanye fan. It wasn't like the Stones the Beatles, you got to choose one. <laughs> but, but not necessarily for listening to at home, 
But I think in the car on your headphones, it's so well produced that I've sort of got into Drake this week. Uh, but that's about me. Excellent. Well, I'm a huge Drake fan. I like that. I can approve of that. We listen to Drake a lot in the car, in the house, when I'm running, and I'm a big Kanye fan. What's too. that dreadful thingy bling song he's got? Ugh. Hotline Bling. Yeah, gee, I hate that song. <laughs> Dislike very yeah. much, my mum told me to say that. Sorry. Indeed. You are... Dislike Indeed. very okay. much. Okay, it's not to my taste, shall we say. Yes, I don't, exactly. I don't like it very much. don't much care for it. Um, so, Asan, other than binging Line of Duty, what have you been watching? That's it. Oh. So, none, neither of you watch 40-year-old version yet, still? No. Okay. No. I, I've had a... Um, with, with the football on Wednesday night, with being hit by a van on Tuesday... <laughs> Catching up on Line of Duty, <laughs> trying to get this episode four done, um, which still isn't done, but hopefully will be done in a couple of hours. Um, yeah, no, I haven't really, I haven't really had a chance to to, well, to it's, watch. It's a good anything. treat for you to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward. To, I'm I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to uh, getting episode four out of the way, and then having. I'm going to have a week off. From uh, or maybe even two weeks off from from Michelle as a project, just because I think it'll be good to get to the midpoint and then just have a rest, go back and look at the old ones that you want to fix, and then go back to it in a few weeks and and start five to eight. Um, right. Can I just Can I quickly? Yeah, I was just going to add, by the way, to the fact that obviously me and Leon not really raving about Line of Duty. It broke records the last episode for having the most viewers of well anything for a very long time. Oh, it was over ten million people tuned in. So, you know, no one's got anything better to do, have they? So, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's the best time to release a TV show on Netflix or on BBC. You know? It's the finale on Sunday, though, so hopefully that won't disappoint. But there you go. Yeah, that's that's mm. my um, thing. Excellent. This week's theme of the week is collaborating with uh, friends. And I guess what made me think of it was I listened to a podcast called the Joe Budden podcast, which is about hip hop, has nothing to do with film or television. Um, but it's basically three mates who do the podcast and they started doing it together seven or eight years ago. And when they started doing it together seven or eight years ago, it was just three mates in a basement doing a podcast. Um, seven or eight years later, it's after Joe Rogan, the biggest podcast in the world. Yeah, um, they did a that two years with Spotify, millions and millions. They've moved to Patreon. Anyway, long story short, they about six weeks ago suddenly two of the three were not on the podcast, and Joe had to go. They're not here, and we have some shit that we're dealing with, and they'll be back once we've dealt with the shit. And for six weeks, it was like, oh my God, they're not going to come back. And I really genuinely thought they weren't going to come back. And then last week they came back and they explained as best they could what had happened. And I thought it was amazing on so many different levels because one, I thought it was amazing for three grown ass men uh, to acknowledge their sort of failings as men in terms of communication and the lines between friendship and work and ego is really refreshing to hear three men talk about those things in a very open and honest way um, and then immediately it made me think about the different i've had a couple of bad experiences in the last five years of collaborating with people who i thought at the time were friends and and subsequently we ended up not being friends and that podcast made me think about just how difficult and complicated it is when you've got people who are at different levels and, you know, different places, different stages in their careers, like different, uh, dr different motivators, different desires, drivers. Yeah. And they come together and the only unifying thing in the middle is the idea or the project that they're going to want to work on. Uh, but everything outside of that, they're, they're so wildly different that you end up pulling in different directions. And I don't know, it's, it's bloody complicated is, is, is my kind of first take on it. 
Um, and I really wanted to talk to you two just to hear what your experiences are and to see whether you feel that it's better to collaborate professionally with a friend or whether the old adage of you should never mix business and pleasure is more true and whether this business these creative businesses they blur those lines even more so um who wants to go first shall i go first mine will be shortest okay so my experience obviously is in the room it's asan you are my preferred co-writer writing team person and i guess when we first started to collaborate and just bounce ideas around we were on the same page if you'll pardon the pun which was no page at all um and then obviously your career's taken a different trajectory to mine i've had a book out which didn't do very well and you're doing really well and i guess here's the thing that i find you know how with friends you should be able to say anything i tend to step back and go oh i don't want to upset my friend so rather if that was a professional, you know, person rather than a friend in a professional capacity, I'd probably be uh, better equipped to deal with, say, um, I, I want you to be the person that I write on our next project with. And I guess, you know, 15 months it's been where I know I didn't want to write my thing on my own, which is why I came to you, because I thought you'd be the best person, my favourite person to do it. I thought you got it, you did. But again, obviously, I, I know that my sort of tricky bit is I have to wait because you're busy and in demand. And I'm not I'm not in demand yet. So for me, the tricky part is to just sort of go, do I continue and want, you know, my first choice person or do I let both of us go and find another writing team person, which is not what I want to do. But I guess from my point of view, it's because you're my mate as well and I trust you and like the way you work and the way you write that you know it's that that's the tricky bit I have it's to, when you say if you're not in the same space how do you make your diaries work that's what I find the hardest part and then to convey the frustration politely because I love you as a friend <laughs> but do you know what I mean it's so it's one of those things of you know just making it work and how uh, flexible do you, do you sort of want to be to make it work or do you just kind of go ah you know what maybe maybe I should do this or do that. And, and those are the things I find the trickiest part of working with friends because there's the relationships already there that I appreciate and love. And therefore walking away from that wouldn't be my first option. But I guess with a person in a writing team who I haven't got a friendship with, it might be easier because I'm not as invested in the person, if you see what I mean. Mm. Can I, so let me ask you something. So do you think it's, what you said at the top about the fact that you find it hard. I'm having this conversation in general yeah, terms, yeah, no, by the yeah. way. I know that yeah. you, you made it specific, but yeah. in a way, I, I kind of want the conversation to be more general. Um, like when you say, when you said at the top that it's harder with friends to be honest or to express a frustration or a feeling because you, because of a fear of upsetting them. Um, or a fallout, should I say? I don't. I, so, I, I don't want a confrontation because I wouldn't yeah, want to risk so, a friendship for work. Does that then? Does that then imply that is probably not smart that we collaborate with mates? You see, you see what I'm driving yeah, at because yeah, there's yeah. something there's something very, very, very powerful for me in what you just said mm. there because I value my friendship with you, mm. Leon, Kerry drew like all of the people mm. who i collaborate <coughs> or have collaborated with mm. are friends first yeah um i view so just very quickly i view okay. it slightly differently in that i think because of the friendship mm. yeah you owe it to the other person to be even more honest so yeah. what I mean by that is that like actually with a I've had a couple of what I would consider to be professional collaborations right where you don't really know the person mm. if you don't really know the person it's kind of hard 
to get into a relaxed conversation when you're dealing with a, a collaborative piece of work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. like if you write a script together or you write a scene together or you come up with a scene together and the collaborator on the other side goes, I think X and you on your side, you think Y. Mm. With the collaborator, I'm never gonna shut their idea down immediately. Yeah, mm. I'm gonna take a very long view to that. And that'll probably be something that was borderline disingenuous yeah. in terms of it'll probably be something like, oh, that's cool. I like that. Let me think about it. Or something like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself an out, but I'm just not gonna be honest, right? Mm. Whereas if it was Leon or it was you, I'm just liable to go, no, I'm not having that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's interesting what you said, because for me, it's like when I thought about that, what you said, immediately I went, I couldn't do that. Mm. If I, because my respect for you, my respect for Leon, my respect for Kerry, my respect for Drew, my respect for my mates who I collaborate with is much, much greater because they're friends. And oh, yeah. Therefore, the, the, I, I owe them a level of like transparency because it's like, the the Joe Budden the 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 there's a, there was a really interesting conversation that they had about tone of voice right where basically Rory was saying you can't speak to me like that bro mm. doesn't matter what the situation as mates you can't speak to me like that mm. and Joe said you're fucking insane the very fact that we're mates means I have enough credit in the bank that I can call you whatever I want to call you and not fear that I'm going to hurt your feelings or that me and you are going to fall out because I have that credit in the bank because we've been friends for 15 years. And if we've been friends for 15 years, within the process of the collaboration, if something goes wrong and we, you know, we've got to express ourselves, we express ourselves. Oh, yeah, really I, I, I super want to listen to this now that you've said it because I'd love to hear them talk about that because yeah i don't mean on points within the story though i mean mm -hmm. just as a you know i'm a, a big softy and i like to keep i think it's a libran thing you're libran lami i like to keep the peace and keep the balance and the harmony but it's like it's just yeah i just get frustrated but i don't mean on like points in the script and hopefully i'd never call you anything that you know i, I i'm just, i want to listen to this podcast that you're talking about because uh, i i want to see what you said that wasn't flying but I would never... Sorry? I'm just talking about the difference in what I was talking about to what these guys... Oh, yeah, no, I get I, I get that yeah. completely. Yeah. But I think there is a... I think there is absolutely a crossover here. And the crossover mm. is uh, honesty and transparency. Yeah. That's my, that would be my... Uh, that would be my way of looking at it. However, mm. I can... I'm, I'm not stupid. So absolutely... You, if you turned around and went, well, that's very easy for you to say, yeah, but the reality is that if I'm honest and transparent with you mm. and you get annoyed with me, you could just say, well, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> and you you see what I mean? There's yeah, a power yeah, yeah. dynamic at play yeah. inside of it as well. So it, I just, it's a very, such a complicated uh, topic because it works on so many different layers. Yeah, Leon, you're very quiet over there. Well, I'm getting a bit like Lola Duty, got plenty to say on it, but I'm just- I know you do, Bran. I, 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 I want to bring you in here because I know that you also collaborate with friends, yeah? And- Kind of, the... I'll, I'll, I'll jump in now. So- Go on, you go. I liken it to when, when you're single, and it's a bit old school, this philosophy, but I'll liken it to this. This is, this is writing in development, collaborating with a friend. Yes. So when you're single and say you've got a single girlfriend, you both hang out and you go out and you have fun. And, you know, I haven't got that many girlfriends, but uh, when I was single, you could do it. But ultimately, and you enjoy each other's company rather than just seeing your mates, your male mates. But when it comes down to it, if either of you meet someone else, you'll blow the other person out because mm. your heart and your sexual organs will take precedence over your mate. Mm. And you can all deny it and say, oh no, I wouldn't do that. I'm telling you, 
for my age group, 40 plus, I know Generation Z and Millennials are slightly different, but either way, if you or your friend had a better offer in terms of a, a perspective romantic liaison, you'd be off and you'd blow each other out, right? Mm. Similar with this, you know, you're, you're collaborating with a friend on a project you both believe in, but one of the one of the parties would have bought that project to the other one. But you're also freelancers, so you're also working on other projects. And if one of those projects hits, your little collaboration goes to the back seat. Mm. So that's one dynamic. The other dynamic is, as I say, one person bought the project to the other person. Therefore, that makes it tricky. So the only way I see it working, and also I'm a bit, I'm not really a collaborator. Myself and a friend, I won't name drop him, from the really early days, we wrote a, a, a TV series called Bundles and we were writing alternate scenes. Mm. But it doesn't really work. I, I, I can't, personally speaking, a bit like when I had a property business, I'm very much a man of my own mind, so I can't really work with someone at, when it comes to actually writing the script. Brainstorm with someone, amazing. I've said before on the podcast, yeah. if you're a writer, before you write a word, you should brainstorm it all through the director and then the director should check your script with you and you should do rewrites together. But getting the first draft down is a, is a lone process because it just needs knocking out, in my, in my experience. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm sort of very strict on that. And then I also think that if you're getting paid, that will help. So you set up a writer's room, you're getting paid together, and then that will make it easier. But I don't believe a collaboration can write a first draft together. They can do the development, the brainstorming, and they can do the rewrites. But, and it helps if one of them's a director and one of them's a writer, mm. slash producer, but I think it's very difficult to develop something as friends. And the one way to get over the friendship thing, because I've had it, on this last project that we've talked about before, but that's been done through agents, as in the contracts and and what the expectations are. You know, deliver a first draft, rewrites, step outlines. It's all there in a contract, mm. and therefore that takes away all the friendship worries. Because how do you delivering. then? How how do you then deal with? the emotional side of it though because it's easy you can put you can write anything on a piece of paper and two people can sign it but that doesn't change feelings and feelings yeah, are those feelings out as i say I've, I've said before i'm very sensitive but when it comes to work i'm pretty ruthless so, so if i take feelings out of it yeah or, i mean i i don't work with so i don't i don't really collaborate with anybody in terms of writing a script because you just need to get it, the hard work done on the page. Mm. So I'm probably not the best person, but you know, I was never uber successful because I have that small business mentality where you're a bit of a control freak and you want to do it your way. Um, having said all of that, having said that, uh, if I'm listening to say Michael Caton Jones when I was rewriting the Chelsea Cowboys six, seven times, I respect him as a director and as a writer. So therefore, most of the time, whatever he says goes. But I need, it's a bit like being at school. I need that level of respect. So I need to be working with someone who isn't my equal, who isn't beneath me, but is way above me. So I actually go, yeah, you're right. That's the way, that's the way I did it. That was the yeah, collaboration I did. You find someone who's far in advance of you. Hmm. Would you, would you recommend friends to work together? Not on writing an actual script, no. No, okay. not at all. Mm. I think it, it just ends in tears. But, but as I said to you earlier, I mean, I, you know, even in a business setup, one mm. person will always do more than the other person, and, and more often than not, it will end in tears. Unless you, you're not emotional and you have this bigger picture idea and you're happy to pay people salaries to, to represent, you're happy to delegate. But I've never mastered that skill. But it doesn't mean you miss out. As I say, I'm mm. working with a friend now, but I really, really respect him and he's uber successful. Therefore, I'll, 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 I'll play the game and I'll, and I'll do as I'm told.
because I let me tell you how I and because I respect him. But in development, when you're both at the same level, I think it's pretty much impossible. So let me tell you how we did it last year, um, and I think it, it, it's, I think it's the best collaboration that I've done at script level. So I agree with you, right? I think that one of the things that it's taken me a few years to learn is that a script needs a voice and it can only have one voice. It can't have several voices. Um, so it can only really have one writer. Um, but having said that, I think that a lot, a lot of it is down. I think if you can get the, the money and the ego clear, then it's definitely doable. And what I mean by that is, so I collaborated with somebody last year where I had an idea, right? And I went to him and I went, I've got an idea for a project. Uh, I've got a producer who loves the idea. Um, let me pitch it to you. So I pitched it to my mate and he went, oh, I love that. So we did one brainstorm session on like what the season would look like. And then we did another brainstorm session on roughly what the pilot would be. And then it was like, right, so how are we going to do this? And he was quite busy at the time. So I just went, you know what? I'm going to write the first draft of this. So I went away and I wrote the first draft of the pilot. And then I sent it to him. And he basically said, do you mind if I have a pass? And I went, no, not at all. So then he had a pass and then he sent it back to me. And then I had the final pass and it went off to the producer. Now, I, I imagine on a film, and I know because I worked on a film with Debs and it works really well, that I think on a film you can probably do it's easier to do, not scene by scene, but you can certainly take big chunks of the script and you can you can pass them back and forth. I think a, a screenplay on a film is a slightly different process, but I think for television, where you're writing a pilot, um, generally the stories are more condensed. You have to get a lot more in. Uh, I think it's good to have one voice, but then I think it's also good to have another set of eyes that can have another pass and basically tidy up the stuff that you've not done well and also to elevate the things that can be elevated because that's the whole point of a collaboration is to have the idea that two brains are are somehow better than one Debs, what do you think about that yeah makes total sense like i agree it's uh the you know, having a pass and sending it back and forth works better than... Well, I've said this before, one of the main problems I had with the last season of Killing Eve was I felt like you could tell there were too many writers and it was just all over mm. the shop. But yeah, I think it makes sense. I think for me, um, to kind of bring it round more to the... Because I, I was interested in this from a relationship point of view and how friends can collaborate in a in a healthy way. And, and part of the reason for wanting to have the conversation is because I think it's entirely possible for friends to collaborate in a very healthy fashion. Um, but I think it's a very, I think there is an element always of Russian roulette because I think that there's an element always of business and pleasure. And there's a reason why that old adage, business and pleasure shouldn't mix exists see you see what i mean that it's like... it depends on the characters like we're all pretty strong-willed characters i think if someone always always has to take second place i think you're and, right and i yeah. think if you really respect and you work with someone who's better than you so to speak then that can work even for the biggest ego yeah i mean but that's I it you have to know and appreciate the same it level as i'm repeating myself now i think it's really so, so of course it can work. There are loads of successful partnerships, loads of successful writing partnerships and business partnerships, but it depends exactly where you are and what your character type is. Mm. I, yeah, I, I think that's fair. I agree. I'd say you need to leave your egos at the door, but I remember like the first little chat, Asan, that we had on the thing that we're looking at, uh, like you set the stall straight away. Nobody had to say it because you went, right, this is how it's going to work. It's going to go three ways no matter what happens. Da -da 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 -da. And I thought, oh, that's that's easier then because it's already been said. But as you know, since our last um, collaboration, I um, wrote a book that was supposed to be a joint venture with a friend and we're no longer friends. We got through it unscathed and remained friends 
completely. But he, well, he screwed me over basically, and that See, made the it business, really hard. The, yeah. the business, the business fucked you, right? You got involved well, in the business, yeah, well, and then I, stuff I, got murky I, and messy. I'll yeah. tell you what it was, and very briefly, but it wasn't the business. It was the fact that I trusted this person so implicitly because we've been friends for 10 years i didn't for one second think that the things he was doing behind my back because he was a greedy egotistical all about the kaching was doing behind my back so when i found out i thought well just ignore it. it's fine it's fine and then i realized it wasn't fine but i waited till it was done delivered finished before i voiced that and he's never mm. spoken to me since but, which but, is fine but, but you know no one yeah, no, I don't know. You agree with my girlfriend similarly, but I thought it was a good one. Uh, well, of course I would. I said it. But Asan and I, Asan <laughs> and I worked together, and you know we never fell out. It didn't work out, but we had that issue whereby something else cropped up for him, something else then cropped up afterwards for me, and it didn't happen. Mm. But we didn't fall out mm. because. Because we both understood where we were at that moment, and that's why totally. I likened it to the girlfriend situation. Mm. You're gonna, when you're in development and there's no money, you're gonna be in a situation where if something a better option comes up, just like the girlfriend thing, then that's what's gonna happen. And if you accept that, and then you move on, and maybe we'll work together again when there's money or when there's some clarity or when there's no better options. But you know, I think it's important. To understand that when you go into things with friends, I think that I think career is really um, important in the sense that I think that if you do if you do blur those lines, then you have to make sure that when it comes to your own professional life, that on some level you make decisions that are first and foremost about your career. I don't think that I think that where you're going to get yourself into real serious problems, where you're going to put yourself in a position where you're going to end up falling out, is when one person or both parties begin to compromise things that they believe in would be best for their career to basically make sure that their friend isn't upset. So, for example, I remember when I had to call you uh, about that thing, Leon, that my immediate thought was I need to call Leon right now and I need to tell him and I need to be honest with him because like I don't know what he's going to feel so you know I don't want to waste his time and it's it's weird I feel bad but at the same time I'm not going to say no to, to MGM so that's just a no-brainer and I just need to now hope that Leon when he hears that doesn't go well you're a wanker do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah he, honesty and, and transparency. And what I've been trying to explain in, in friendships and with girlfriend and everything else is that you could be avoid an anxious or a secure attachment in relationships, but ultimately communication is the key. And as Absolutely. long as you communicate the truth, Absolutely. then there'll never be a fallout. But so Absolutely. many people can't do that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's you know it go what what Deb said. At the, that's why what Deb said at the top um, was probably the, the the thing that I don't agree with the most is that idea that when you collaborate with friends that it's harder to be honest. Fucking hell! I think it's your I think it's your friendship's um, honesty, isn't it? Yeah, totally. I think it's your responsibility as a mate to go. I have to be honest. This is my. This is my mate. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, yeah, but just to put my little caveat, I did say it's because of not wanting to risk the friendship and not wanting to upset anyone. That was the override. Oh no, absolutely, yeah. and I get, I, 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 get that. But I think that's the thing that, like, that's where, that's why I just told the story that I told yeah, of me yeah. and Leon because ultimately, I don't know when I pick up that phone and tell him what I'm going to tell him what he's going to say to me. I can hope. Because we had a new friendship, right? We'd only just become mates. Mm -hmm. Only mates for like six months or a year or something like that. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that I value his friendship. And I valued it even in that moment to such an extent that when the MGM thing happened, it was like, I had like an afternoon of like knots in my stomach. So I was like, fuck, I have to call him and tell him now. And he's going to hate me. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I was like, "Gotta tell him, gotta tell him, right? You owe it to him. You can't sit on it. He's a mate. Like if it had been, I was thinking to myself, if it had been somebody who I wasn't really matey with, um, 
I'd have just been, you know, mm. I'd have probably let it drag for a month or two before I'd have been honest. Mm. So, yeah, I think you're right, Deb. I think there is, there's truth in what you said as well. Um, but there is some truth in what I yeah, said as well. absolutely. And just Definitely. so Leon doesn't feel bad, I loved your analogy about the girlfriends, Leon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, a bit, it's a bit of an old school one, but I stand by it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we managed to get through the whole pod without mentioning... Uh, <gasps> No, Clark, but we'll save that for another day. Oh, I thought you were going to say The Sopranos. <laughs> oh, yeah, damn it. <laughs> you know what? Deb's Wild, thank you very much. Thank you, A-Sound. And Leon. Leon Butler, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. To everybody who listened, thank you very much. Deb's, what episode number was this? I didn't even get that in the top. Episode 22. Episode 22. I think this might have been okay. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with another podcast. In the meantime, be safe, be well, and have a lovely weekend. <laughs>